Hey, everybody. Welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we discuss the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. I'm your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my best friend and fellow co-host, Jose Angel. How are you this lovely evening? I am doing great, and I will be doing even better when people leave us five stars and a review. Please, please, we appreciate them. Yes, and this is episode 100, and if you've listened to 100 plus episodes that we've done and have not left a review or rating, let's get on it. I mean, come on, it's our 100th episode. Jeez, do we not (laughs) deserve it? And I did want to plan something spectacular and grand for our 100th episode but i choke under that kind of pressure yeah no, no. <laughs> so just so i don't leave you guys with too much high expectations i'm just gonna say this is gonna be a mediocre episode <laughs> <laughs> come on we gotta set some expectations low so then we'll just rise the ball exactly you're you're thinking like i'm thinking All right. All right. Well, we're here this week with an episode. And what do you have for us today? I do have to say I've been wanting to do this one for a while. And the more I looked into it, the worse it got. Mm. We will be talking about actor Danny Masterson. Are you familiar with him? Oh, yes. I am familiar with this actor. I think he's best known for That 70s Show, which he played Stephen Hyde. And... I was a fan of that 70s show. It wasn't one of my favorite shows, but it, I was always down to watch it. Yeah, I, I would say about the same. Uh, when I was a ch- child and teenager, I thought it was really entertaining. And ironically, when I got older and started to actually get into the activities that they did on the show, I was no longer interested in the show. Really? That's yeah. Funny. I, <laughs> as like past high school, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched an episode since. I think one time I went through and rewatched them, and I enjoyed it. I mean, for what it was. For what it was. Okay. Daniel Peter Masterson was born March 13th, 1976, which makes him a Pisces. I don't think we have had a lot of Pisces on here. I have to recount our episodes, but I think it's towards the bottom. I was about to say, I don't think I've heard that sign a lot. Makes me think that they're sneaky because we ain't got a lot of (laughs) They're just sneaky. Just for no reason. I have no evidence to pull from. I've just already labeled them. (laughs) Danny's parents were divorced soon after his birth, but they did have one other son before Danny named Christopher. His mother, Carol, worked as a talent agent, and she put little Christopher and Danny to work very early. Danny appearing in a child model in magazines around the age of four and then commercials. He has been in over 100 commercials. Oh, I'm sorry. I just had the epiphany who his brother is from Malcolm in the Middle. He was Francis off Malcolm in the Middle, and he was in Scary Movie 2, which is my favorite scary movie. Yes, he was in Scary (laughs) Movie 2. Oh, my gosh. A whole mess. But okay, yeah. All right. I'll be forgetting that they're brothers, too. I, I do, too. And he has other famous people that I'll mention. Oh, okay. All right. I'm sorry. Continue. It's said that Danny had a good singing voice as a child, but that kind of went away with puberty. But I didn't see if he did any work singing. When he was nine years old, his mother would remarry a man named Joe Reich. Joe was formerly a rugby player in Australia, and he would tear a muscle in his groin. No longer being able to play one day, he was approached by a woman who asked him if he wanted to take a survey. So the woman leads 
him back to the Church of Scientology. And Joe would tell them he played for the Sydney Roosters, which I guess is a team. And he says her eyes lit up and she would come back with four or five other members and he would get recruited. Hmm. He would then start working his way up in Scientology. He first met Carol when he was still mar- when she was still married. And then after the divorce, they met again in the Church of Scientology. I'm not sure how long Carol had been in Scientology, but they would get married and have two more kids. And all these kids have become active actors. Christopher most famously played Francis on Malcolm in the Middle. Jordan, Danny's younger brother, would appear in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, the TV show Greek, and most famously, Last Man Standing. And his younger sister, Alana, would appear on The Walking Dead as the character Tara. Also, just another fun fact, Danny's cousin, Angus T. Jones, is most famous for playing Jake on your favorite TV show, Two and a Half Men. I was was about to say, as soon as I heard Angus, (laughs) I knew. First of all, they're cousins. Yeah, he's, he's one of the mother ones I heard. Apparently, went off the deep end. That is true. That is true. A little too much Goes Jesus there. through the bloodline. <laughs> Maybe Joe, the stepfather, has spoken out. We only really have his side of this early period of Danny's life, so we will be focusing on Joe for a bit. In 1984, Joe's sports career was fully over, so he moves to the states, and they end up moving to Clearwater, Florida because they're going to be on the Sea Org. Ah, sounds familiar. We talked about the Sea Org in our Leo Remini book club episode, but it's like the best of the best for Scientology, and Danny's parents were on that list. Mm-mm-mm. While on the Sea Org, Joe realizes it's not for him. He claims him and Carol would work 60 or 70 hours a week and only earn $30. He says while they didn't get any punishments, he saw how the RPF rehabilitation project force treated people who did the ones who had to wear black and run every place and not speak he says those people were ridiculed and abused and it didn't sit right with him so he decided to leave sea org okay and he tells carol she could stay if she wanted to but they both decided to leave with the kids and that's in 1986 they moved to california and it's only the two boys but they would take them to auditions so they move around a little bit and because the, the mother son of a bitches can't work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they have the two other kids. And in 1995, they do un- end up getting a divorce. Dang, okay. Did they say why? Um, not really. Joe says at this time he was done with Scientology, but didn't really say anything, just quietly stopped. And no girl was still gung-ho for it. Yes. In Scientology, if you talk bad about the church, you can become an SP, which is short yes. person, mm. which people in Scientology are not allowed to talk to. And Joe knows this, so he's just keeping his mouth shut about it. And just to put a cap on the information Joe has provided us, in 2004, Carol would ask Joe to help their son Jordan with some Scientology lessons. And Joe would do it. He once was a very high-ranking member, but he changed a few things with the technology and the techniques he used. And this is a big no-no in Scientology, because you are saying what you are doing is the better way than what Alvon Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, has said to do. Mm -hmm. So the church finds out because Carol would photocopy the materials Joe gave his son. And he claims he would have four sessions with Scientology between the hours of 11 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. 
and the Court of Ethics, which our girl Leah Remini also described doing this. I do find it interesting that while Leah described her Court of Ethics as very long, his was at very weird hours. Uh Like, you know, what the hell, a meeting at 11 p.m. to 1.30 a.m.? I just feel like that was some kind of thing to make him feel uncomfortable or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because if you... (laughs) If you like the person or you 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 support a person, you wouldn't have no meetings at no weird times. You would you would cater to their time. People are usually sleep at that time. Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, yeah, you're gonna have to reschedule that meeting because I'm not gonna be there. So, wake yes up. <laughs> so Joe claims the church would take six months to reach a decision which he now thinks was a tactic so the church could inform everyone he was now an SP. When he got the news, he tried to call his kids over 20 times. He tried to reach out to friends, but he's in SP, so no one picks up. That was 2005, and he has not had any contact with his children or ex-wife since. He said he tried for a while to reach out, but eventually gave up. Representatives for Scientology has claimed that declaring someone an SP is very rare, and it does not have a policy in place of members cutting off SPs, which is funny since all former Scientologists claim otherwise. Yeah, that don't even make no sense. You can't, if there's no repercussions for being an SP, there would be no situation in which you need to call people SPs. Yeah, it's just Scientology during their damage control that they... Also, was this like, like, before, like, getting the courts involved or trying to file for custody, shared custody, supervision, or anything? There was nothing he could do to see his children at all? See, I don't know, because... You would think he would try to get the courts involved, but maybe he's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but then you don't want to see your children either. I mean, I don't want to vilify the guy, but so they were older. Huh? When this happened, it was 2005, so they were older. Were they over age? Like, were they of age, though? Because if they weren't of age, I would have still tried. But that's I, just me personally. I'm not trying to... Vil- like vilify or villainize a guy just i don't know i guess i would go about things a different way if i really felt like this church is destroying my family or the way my family looks at me i think i'd, I'd, I'd try to make sure i'm still inserted in their life in some sort of way but maybe people got in between that too i mean i guess so it's kind of like the same thing with nicole kidman she doesn't talk to her two kids that were adopted with tom cruise another situation always felt weird. Like what happened there with the custody agreement? They just, it seemed like Nicole kind of gave up. Oh, the kids are still in church with you. You can have them little bastard. <laughs> well, gee, that's how I feel. That's Maybe. what happened too, which no, that don't look great on Nicole either. I mean, I understand, but Hey, she gave up her children too. And she got her a whole new family too. Maybe. I mean, you could look at it that way. I think it's, I kind of look at it more of they don't want me in their life, so I'm just going Fuck to them kids. Out. Yeah, I know how you. I know what you. <laughs> I know you're Marco. Anyways, back to Danny. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he would get his best known role as Stephen Hyde in 1998. At first, the show was called Teenage Wasteland, but was switched to That 70s Show. Mm-hmm. Great decision. That lasted until 2006. Some other roles Danny has done was he played Jimmy on the TV show Roseanne in 1994. 
if you are familiar with Roseanne TV show, Jimmy is the guy Darlene cheated on David with. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was also in the movie Faculty in 1998. Did you watch The Faculty? The Faculty is one of the first like scary movies I did watch, and it is very disgusting. Did you Did you like it? Yeah, I actually do like it. It's like a I great, love that movie. It's a great cult classic, and it has so many superstars in it. It does. It's kind of surprising how many there is. Other than that, he has appeared here and there as an actor. I was never really a fan of his, but I did get a sense of, hey, that's Stephen Hyde when I saw him on the screen. Same, yeah. I know who that motherfucker is. Yeah. His other big role would be on The Ranch, where he starred with Friend and that 70s show co-star Ashton Kutcher, which was the show he would get fired from when the allegations came out. Mm Mm-hmm. And before we get to talk about the allegations, I do want to give a little more info on Danny. In 2005, he would meet his future wife, Bijou Phillips, at a celebrity poker tournament. Bijou said every guy at the table was flirting with her besides Danny. He wasn't laughing at her jokes, and Bijou was head over heels. Yeah, it's one of them things. Oh my God, the guy doesn't want anything to do with me. He's not paying me any attention. I fucking love him. Yeah. So they start talking, and after the game, they realize, whoa, we're both Scientologists from famous families. Bijou's <laughs> father being John Phillips from the Mama and the Papas. Mm, mm, and that's a father to have. And they both hate psychiatrists, which, and, which is a Scientology thing. Bijou having said, grandparents didn't take any pills, and they were fine. Which, whatever. And they marry and would later have a daughter together. And we'll circle back to Bijou later. And I just love the name Bijou. It's like original. You don't like it? I mean, it's okay name. (laughs) So let's get into the allegations. Trigger warning, we will be going into details about rape. So if that's not something you can deal with today, this is your exit. Or better yet, meet us at the end where we give our medias. There are five women and it seems like Every single source calls them something different. So I'm trying to keep their stories straight, but some sites refer to them as victim A through E. Some do Jane Doe 1 through 5. Some first name, last initial, or just initials. And the order is switched up. Some go by chronological order or by order they reported the crime. So I would just go by Jane Doe 1 through 5, and I'll go by who reported to the police first. Does that make sense to you? Yep. Okay. I'm ready. So some of these women were inspired to come forward by Anne of the Pod, Leo Remini Show, Scientology, and the Aftermath. Really? Yes. I gotta say, going up against Leo Remini is the biggest mistake Scientology has made. (sighs) Yes. She used that loud mouth for good. Yeah. She's out there fighting the good fight and exposing everything about them. I think... Someone, she's like the number one person who has put a spotlight on them. Yeah. And it's because, and and the crazy thing is, is that if she would have originally had it her way, she'd be deep in the organization because she wanted to be in that. Yeah. But they fucked it up. (laughs) And then she said, all right, I'm going to burn it to the ground. So Jane Doe 1 through 3 are the ones that actually made it to a criminal case. And they do all have a similarity of they were in the Church of Scientology at the time of their attack. And when they reported it to an ethics officer, they felt like it was covered up. 
Also, Danny is kind of like Bill Cosby, where he hands these women a drink, they drink a little, and bam, they pass out. Oh, really? So, this first one, Jane Doe 1, it's our most lengthy description, and it's pretty graphic. So, Jane Doe 1 says in September 2002, she was anally penetrated by Danny. After the attack, she says she went to an ethics officer to report Danny. And the ethics officer forced her to make peace with Danny. And in fact, she was made to do a few weeks of ethics programs. And the reason being, she couldn't be a victim. Whatever the condition or situation she had found herself in was her fault. That's crazy. Outright just saying that the Church of Scientology covers up sexual assault. Yeah. So she goes through the uh, making her believe it was her fault. And then in April 2003, so a few months later, she's at a party at Danny's house. And Danny hands her a fruity vodka drink. And she is out of it. She's passing in and out. She can barely stand up. Then Danny throws her in a jacuzzi. She is so out of it, she can't even get out of the jacuzzi by herself. A fellow Scientologist named Luke, who was also her friend, helps her out. She starts feeling very sick with nausea and has some vision problems. She says she remembers Luke telling her to open her eyes, and she thought they were open. So Danny carries her upstairs to her restroom. She said Danny and Luke were discussing before he took her up, and she doesn't know what Luke says to Danny, but Danny responds with, she's my homie. I would never do that. Oh, my God. Which Why are we leaving it? Wait, why are we leaving her with him? That's right there, red flag one. Like, And it sounds like that right there, his responses that Luke might have said, don't take advantage of her or something. Yeah, but also, Luke, if you were even, if that question was even in your brain, take your ass up there with him. Yeah. Can't nobody stop you. But I get it. Uh, it, it this is all on Danny anyway, but. I, I mean, Luke can share some of the blame, I guess. Thank you. I just wanted to say that because I also just, it's like, y'all, y'all can't say. That's a whole nother conversation. All I'm saying is that if you have a friend, if you know somebody and they don't look well, you don't pass them off to somebody else. I get that's the easy thing to do, but the actual more mature adult thing to do is to stay with them to make sure they get some help or that they are okay. Not pass them off to another stranger, specifically somebody who they don't have the best history with. I wonder if it's kind of like that Tom Cruise thing that we discussed in Leo Remini's book about how Danny is higher up, so it's kind of, let's do what he wants to do. Yeah, if you disobey anything he says, it'll be a problem for you later up in the office. Yeah. so <laughs> I get that. Ugh. Danny would take Jane Doe 1 up to the restroom, and he sticks his fingers down her throat to make her vomit. And she does. And then he starts to mock her and laugh because she was covered in vomit and had it in her hair. And she's still in and out. So next thing she knows, she is dragged to the shower. Then in the shower, she's naked. And Danny is in front of her, soaping up her breast. And she doesn't know if he's naked, but she does know he does not have a shirt on. So, I mean, that's how out of it she is. Like, it's tunnel vision. She can, like, see what's in front of her, but it's, like, not really making sense. Mm-hmm. And he's yelling at her to grab the fucking soap. He's pulling her up by her hair because she just wants to slump, slump down. She tries to punch him, but she is drugged. She is so weak, so it doesn't really do anything. She passes out again, and the next thing she knows, she's in his bed, and he's on top of her, raping her vaginally. She tries to push him off and then starts to pull on the back of his hair to get him off. And he pushes her arms down, but then she does it again. 
and she grabs a pillow to push it into his face. Danny would use that same pillow to push down on her face. She says it was with his full body weight and she couldn't breathe. She tried to grab his throat, but again, he does the same thing to her and he's stronger. He's not drugged. And then he would reach into the bedside table and pull out a gun. And she says, while he didn't directly point it, point the gun at her face, it was about a foot and a half away from her head. And he's telling her to shut up and telling her she enjoys this, telling her she better not tell fucking Lisa or Paige. Lisa being Lisa Marie Presley, daughter of Elvis Presley. So let's I was trying to figure on... out how does that matter. Okay, so let's pause on victim one real quick just to talk about Lisa Marie and her involvement with Scientology. Lord. So Lisa joined Scientology after her father's death in 1977. Lisa would also raise her children as Scientologists, but she did leave in 2014. I know at least one of her children stayed in the church, but I don't know if she's still in it today. Lisa was friends with Jane Doe 1. Because I think all these Jane Doe's are in like the entertainment business. Really? Okay. Yes. So she was friends with Jane Doe 1. But when this was happening, she was allegedly used to talk to Jane Doe 1 out of pressing charges. Lisa would later go on to apologize for that when she left the church. When the trial happened, Lisa was speculated to be a witness for the prosecution, but she was not called upon. I people did. Just uh, what? What is up with these people? Like, I don't understand how covering crimes for other people think these people will not commit other crimes against you. And you got this dude leaving her with the rapist, and then you got her talking her out of filing charges from sexual assault. It so is what? against Scientology policy to report another Scientologist to, like, outside authorities. That's how you know this is a cult, bro. Like. Yeah, you're literally being an accessory to a crime because your religion told you so. Make yeah. no fucking sense to me. That's why, no offense to anybody who's a Scientologist listening, you're fucking brain dead. Or you're the smartest person alive because you're grifting all the other people on the lower, the lower uh, ranks. But you're also a crazy ass shithead. I think with any religion, you need to take a step back and be like, does this align with my morals? Like, you should know that's something that's totally wrong. Trying to cover it up, trying to persuade them not to speak about it. Like, yeah. you know that's wrong. A church about bringing people together and trying to bring the best out of everyone. Why would they not encourage you to stand up for yourself and pursue your justice, no matter who it was against? Like, uh, yeah, ask yourself, what sense does that make? Yeah, but, because at the end of the day, how are you going to protect the Church of Scientology when it's filled with fucking rapists? Like, that's the people you want to protect? Like, that's the people you should be throwing out. They're completely okay with covering it up. That is crazy that she went to somebody. Granted, it's so, in, it's so, it's so woven in who they are that she didn't even think to go to the police first. She went to an ethics officer. Exactly. And the ethics officer is like, yeah, you can't pursue this. In fact, I'm going to make you squash this and forgive them and you'll be punished. And then yeah. you have another person who was my friend who I trust was like, yeah, I know that bad thing happened to you and he did that to you. And I know that, but you can't pursue any charges because that wouldn't look good for the religion. That's not, that's against policy. It, and then these are, it hurts when it's friends of friends of yours and it hurts when it's uh, another woman as well yeah that's a another element on top of it 
Because you would think at least another woman would understand. Yeah, that how easily she could be put in this position and how easily it is to discredit you even if you have proof. Why would you want to do that to another woman? So it doesn't it doesn't gain you anything in the long term. I agree. Lisa was not called on the witness stand. It's speculated it's because she didn't she says she didn't recall a lot and it was a small role, but let's get back to the horrible details we were discussing. Yeah. So Jane Doe has a gun on her. She's and he's, you know, raping her this entire time while she's trying to fight him off. <laughs> and then she hears a knock and a man's voice. And Del- Danny is telling her to shut the fuck up. He puts the gun back in the drawer, and Jane Doe, one, tries to grab for it, but he slams her hand in the drawer. He gets off of her and tells her not to move over and over, and, th- and then he leaves. She was telling him she wasn't going to leave, but her plan was as soon as he leaves, she will too. But she's still drugged, so as soon as he leaves, she passes out again. She wakes up again, and she tells herself she needs to get out. So she crawls to a door, thinking it's the exit, but she goes into a closet. And it's so sad reading the transcript because she is breaking down and she's so out of it. She's remembering things in pieces and doesn't even know if it's in the right order. She just knows this happened, but I'm not sure if it happened after this thing or before this thing. So when she's in the closet, she doesn't know if she was naked, but she knows her legs are. She goes into the fetal position and covers herself in clothes from the closet, but then she passes out again. And she wakes up to Danny calling her name, saying, where the fuck are you? She doesn't know how long she's been passed out for she doesn't know how much time has passed but she can see there's a window in the closet and it's still dark so it's the same night so she crawls out of the closet and she's feeling somewhat better at first but then it comes back to her what's happening she would try crawling to the door but then realizes he's in the bed and he sees her and picks her up and throws her on the bed and tells her go the fuck to sleep and she passes out again When she wakes up again, it's morning and Danny is gone. She's still feeling out of it, but does somehow manage to find her clothes, which she doesn't remember. She's trying to find her phone and leave. And she bumps into Luke Watson, her friend and Scientologist. He's at Danny's house still. Yeah. She tells him, oh my God, Luke, what happened? And he says, nope, nope, we're not talking. Luke tells her not to say a word, but go to the president's office of the Celebrity Center Jane Doe 1 and Luke are both second-generation Scientologists, having been born into it. And the president of the Celebrity Center at the time just so happened to be Luke Small. And that Danny had already been there. So while at the Celebrity Center, Jane Doe would bump into Laura Prepon, who at the time was a Scientologist. She left around 2016. Mm -hmm. But she was Danny's co-star on that 70s show, having played Donna. And Laura sees her and she asks her why is she there and she asks her is it about danny and it's just speculation but it's believed that laura might have been sent to see if jane doe is talking about it yeah laura already you already had a strike for being a scientologist but this is strike too why'd you ask that question yeah like why ask she putting out feelers she's she she's she's trying to protect the family too i see yeah, like, why would you even say, is it about Danny? Like, you knew what it was about if you're asking that. Yeah, you didn't even ask the, the girl if she's okay. You talking about, why are you up here? Is it about Danny? Yeah, I already know that man, that, that oh, I want to say just, that he's disgusting, that he's a rapist. There can't be this many people protecting him who don't know the deal. 
You have to know the deal. Otherwise, why would y'all assume so hard? Yeah, but oh, Danny did another woman. Danny hurt another woman. He assaulted another one. We gotta keep it quiet again. Anytime you see a disheveled woman, you think he came from she came from Danny's. Yeah, I mean, one is enough. And this is the second time that she's been raped by him. Specifically him, yes. <sighs> and just a little side note, Laura hasn't really spoken out about Scientology, which Leah Remini thinks she should, but we don't know Laura's situation. She could still have family in there, so I'm not going to judge her too harshly on not speaking out about it. I am. She still got ties <laughs> in there. She don't want to sit there. She don't want to be looked at as an SP. She wants to keep her reputation. She also don't want to say too much because then it can incriminate herself on all the shady dealings she might have done uh, regarding her time. If you can't, if you don't speak out about your time, nobody can be like, uh-uh, you're lying. That's Everybody, true. When you when you shut the fuck up, nobody can say anything. So I think that speaks volumes on how she still has ties to Scientology and how she doesn't want to reveal all her cards about all the things she did. Because if you left and you left for good reason, I feel like there should be no problem in speaking out about it. But if you still want to be looked at as okay in their eyes and have your dirt still hidden, you'll you'll keep everything quiet and just be like, yeah, I left for personal reasons. It's it's nothing. It's just time for a new change. You're going down a new path. That's I'm pretty much her statement. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. That's how I know Laura. And then I guess I used to like some Laura Prepon. I still love her. Nah, I, I definitely see her, especially with just that one statement. And me already knowing she was a Scientologist before, I just know that she was just not up to no good. I, I, she definitely probably just let shit pass because she was allowed to or because she was in a better place than some people. Maybe. Maybe. No, Jane Doe does tell the ethics officer that she has already told a friend. That friend, I'm assuming, is Lisa Marie Presley, but I don't know. But the officer tells her to go back and say she was joking. <laughs> Then she is put into a program where she has to report to her ethics officer every day, and she has to read policies that it is a high crime to report anything criminal or negative about another Scientologist to outside authorities, and policies on SPs and disconnecting. She also has to do auditing where she has to confess to having bad intentions towards Danny and Alron Hubbard in past lives. And why is she willing to confess this and do these programs? It's because her whole life is Scientology. Her parents would have to disconnect from her. Her job, her daughter, where her daughter goes to school, where she, she lives, was all tied to Scientology. But she does end up going to police in 2004. The LAPD did not press charges, but she did sue civilly and ended up signing an NDA and got $400,000. She says she was pressured to sign by the church. This deal and the contract she signed, she wasn't even allowed to touch the pages. She says that Danny turned the pages and told her where to sign, and she was not allowed a copy. So so she sues civilly while still at the Church of Scientology? I then- think, I don't know if she officially sued, but she was going to sue. Like, they had a settlement. and But she was still with the church? Yeah. Yes, but she knew by doing this, she was leaving the church. Like, by going to the police officers, that, uh, that was going to make her an SP. And so she chose, she, she, for some reason, doesn't choose to go to trial. 
says she's pressured into the settlement and she signs while Danny is there turning the pages for her. Not Danny, his attorney. Oh, okay. I thought you said Danny at first. My bad. His attorney is turning the pages for her. She's not even allowed to touch it or read it or anything. Sounds like I'd be getting more money because y'all made me sign that shit under duress. Well, so that was Jane Doe 1. Jane Doe 2's assault happened to, to, in 2003. She says Danny would stare at her intently in a way that made her feel uncomfortable. And this is something that some of the other women have said, too, that when he was interested, he would just, like, stare at you nonstop. So one night he invites her over and gave her a glass of wine and says he's pressuring her to drink it. She starts feeling out of it, and Danny is yelling at her like a drill sergeant to get into the jacuzzi. She's in the jacuzzi, but she doesn't remember getting in, and she's feeling heavy and numb. Danny starts kissing, and she's saying, no, like, we're not doing this. But then he orders her to the restroom and places her in the shower, where he does penetrate her. Just like Jane Doe 1, she is in and out of consciousness, so it's coming to her in, like, glimpses of her memory. And he takes her to the bedroom, and she's begging him not to have sex. And at first he agrees, but then she says he flipped her over and is raping her so rough that she feels like she is going to vomit. She feels like she is not in control of her body. She realizes Danny was more important than her in the church, and she had been raped previously by a boyfriend who was also in Scientology. And she says they told her not to pursue charges, so she knew she couldn't do anything about it. And even made herself believe she wasn't raped until 13 years later when she had left Scientology and filed a police report. This is like the most insidious fucking religion ever. Like if you're a molester, if you're a rapist, pedophile, killer, join Scientology. They'll protect you. They'll cover you. They'll make sure nothing fucking happens to you. That would be that should be Scientology, the Church of Scientology's tagline. If you're, if you're a hardcore criminal who likes to assault people, come here because you have all the safety in the world. I think as long as you have, like, there's definitely a ranking system within Scientology of, like, that they level up by doing these courses. But I think there's also a system of how famous this person is, how much good press they can bring up. True, but also she's saying, I mean, I don't know, maybe the former boyfriend was in the entertainment industry, too, but she said... She oh, was, yeah, he might have been regular degular. That's what I'm saying. She was raped by a former boyfriend and was still told not to pursue charges. Yeah. So it's, it's it's clear. It's also clear that women are expendable. The men are who they really need or who they really want, but the women do all the foot traffic. But the men are way more important to the than, than the women, period. But before you get to that, they have the celebrities and all that. But ultimately, if you're a man, you you can succeed the most and you have the highest chance to to be very much important and untouchable in that in that religion. You know, I never really thought about it that way, but I guess that's right. Like you think about it, even because every religion. Probably. But even in Leah Remini's uh, story, when she had all those high ranking officers who were shitting on her, you know, some of those were women. And eventually, almost all the women in her story who still did it wrong were let go. But the men were still very much in power. Even the man who was like technically beneath her that she outranked was trying to like tell her what she's doing wrong. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so love that for Scientology. Just 
shit bags all around. Shit. Anyway, you want to call it? Yeah, literally. I I could I could not trust anybody who said they were a Scientologist. I understand why people say, oh, it's, it's uh, it has it has like bad juju to it, and I wouldn't mention it if I was one. You shouldn't because I'm going to think that you are a terrible person. I you could not have convinced me that. You aren't just because so many people in your church, so many high ranking people of your church are. And I mean, the fucking whatever he is, president or whatever you want to call him, his wife is still missing. Where's Shelly? Where Shelly? I haven't told anybody where his wife is because she is being held. She's allegedly being held captive or she's allegedly dead. Oh, my goodness. This is a kind of little tangent. But I just saw this when I was looking this up because it's it's so like related to Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um. Shelly Misgrave, Miskovich. Miskovich. Yeah. In 2013, you know, they're like, where's Shelly? It's been forever. And there was a woman who claimed to be Shelly and they took her fingerprints, the police did. Mm-hmm. The fingerprints could not be matched to Shelly's actual fingerprints. Like they said, there was like, it, it was inaccurate or something that couldn't be matched. Like they didn't say it wasn't. It wasn't her fingerprints, but they couldn't confirm it was her fingerprints. Yeah. And then they just closed the case. Like, how do you close the case after that? They got people in high places. I mean, it's it's speculated. I can't go into it in this episode, but yeah, the uh, LAPD yeah. is like kind of. Yeah, we can't go into, but I know for a fact it's being covered up. So I do want to say about Jane Doe too. She did tell her mother and a friend after it happened. So there are people who can confirm her story somewhat. So moving on to Jane Doe three, she actually dated Danny for six years. They met at a party and they went on a date. And after two weeks, they were living together. After five months, he's saying if they're in a relationship, she has to join Scientology and he wants her to stop modeling. About a year into the relationship, he starts becoming more sexually aggressive. And he is also physically and emotionally aggressive. She says the first time she was raped, she had gotten back from Paris and he wanted sex, but she was tired and said no. They started fighting and he drags her by her hair and he's calling her fat in other names and he does rape her. She talks about one time in 2001 when she wakes up to him raping her and she's trying to get him off of her. And she said he had rules. Like, she can't touch his hair or his face. So she thinks if she pulls on his hair, he would get off. But then he hits her on the face, and she starts screaming for him to get off. His brother was in the next room, so I don't know if that's what caused him to stop, but he does. And then, but he spits on her and calls her white trash. And towards the end of the relationship, she said... If she said no to sex, he would call her name, spit in her face, give her the silent treatment, and sometimes make her get on her hands and knees to apologize to him because she was always in the wrong. She also says that he would pee on her, but she she says he did it as a joke, but she would get angry. But I don't think peeing on someone's a joke. Yeah. Especially if you're getting angry. Yeah. Jane Doe 3 did report Danny to an ethics officer in Scientology, but was told it was her job to provide her boyfriend with sex when he wants. And she was placed into an ethics program. So even though she is being raped, she's thinking it's it's not rape. She's being told it's not rape. When she starts to think it, of it more as rape is when she goes out to eat with Danny, 
wine is ordered. She doesn't remember if she's the one who ordered it or him. But then she gets up to leave. And she doesn't remember anything else. The next thing she knows, she wakes up in bed. It's the next morning. She's extremely sore. Her head feels like it was hit in the back. And her whole body, but mainly her butt, hurts. She claims it was red, torn, and bleeding a little. She could not sit down, and it hurt to use the restroom. So she asks Danny what happened, and he laughs at her and says they had sex. When asked if she was unconscious, he says yes. Again, the church officer says she probably did something to deserve it. When they broke up, she had to sign an NDA and was not allowed to look it over or get a copy. And she wouldn't tell anyone until her husband in 2011. And she also told an an abuse hotline. So again, covering up and her pretty much getting in trouble because now she has to take these extra courses. Yeah. So those are the three women that their cases went to a criminal trial. So with all of them, former Scientologists, the defense is that these women have an issue with Scientology and they are using Danny to attack Scientology, which I think is just bullshit. Yeah, the evidence, I mean, that's a stretch, but the evidence showing that these people were assaulted and raped by Danny and then went directly to the Scientology ethics people and presidents and not authorities, not lawyers, shows their loyalty and shows what they were trying to do. Yeah. They don't they didn't have a problem with Scientology until Scientology hung their ass out to dry and protected their rapists. But Jane Doe 4 is not a Scientologist. She was the first victim that we know about, and she was not able to be included in her criminal suit because of statute of limitations. Lord. If I ever get enough money to just like not have a job, I would just make sure I could do whatever I could to just like lobby and like protest and like change these laws for rape and molestation and assault to be the same as murder. Why the fuck are we having statute of limitations on such harmful things? It would never make sense to me. Just never. Jane Doe 4 was a witness in the criminal trial because she was able to provide a pattern of behavior. Thank God. She claims Danny would stare at her really intensely. She goes to a party that Danny is throwing and she drinks. She stays the night in a room with another actor. But Danny comes in and gets her out of the room saying the actor might take advantage of her. So then Jane Doe 4 realizes she's going in and out consciousness. And it's surprising to her because she didn't think she drank that much. And she passes out and wakes up to Danny on top of her having sex. Then she passes out again and wakes up to Danny looking at her. But her body is really sore, as is her vagina and anus. Jane Doe 4 says she didn't want to think of it as rape. Just maybe a bad night that she drank too much and doesn't really remember. So she doesn't cut Danny out of her life. And a month later, he goes over to her house and has a flask and she drinks out of it. She doesn't remember him drinking out of it, but then 15 to 20 minutes later, it hits her. She's out of it. And the next thing she knows, he's kissing her and touching her. And then she passes out. And when she wakes up again, she's sore all over and realizes she has been raped again. So moving on to Jane Doe 5. Jane Doe 5, I know the least about. She claimed on Twitter she was raped by Danny and went to officers. 
they didn't think there was enough to charge him. I do want to say before moving on, some people have raised an eyebrow at the police department's handling of this case, raising suspicion of maybe they're working more with Scientology. But we just can't get into it today. Leah Remini has been very vocal about it, and it's out there. But just so this is not multiple episodes, we will keep our scope on Danny. All three women in the criminal case have claimed to be harassed by Scientology. I want to be clear that Scientology is not a co-defendant on this case. A lot of people believe they should be, I being one of them. They help cover this up and they are trying to allegedly harass these victims. They couldn't even go into that much detail about Scientology either during the court case unless it directly related to how Scientology made them feel about how they could not report it. So it was limited on how much they could talk about Scientology. I'm sorry. I just, I'm just so angry. This, these stories are so angry, so angering. Um, Because I, I was familiar with the story, but I, I hadn't read any details, but it's just, it's just so disheartening and so frustrating that it's, we tell these women you know, we have to give women, we have to give people all these this advice and tips and tricks to avoid getting sexually assaulted or raped. And then we say, well, if you are, uh, you know, it's very courageous. It's 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 scary, but it's very courageous to report you, uh, the crime that has happened against you so you can get justice. So these people can be locked away and not do this to anybody else. And then you have these people who do that and then they still are just not respected. They still are not really given their time of day until years later and other people had to suffer to corroborate their story. And yeah. it could have been stopped probably at victim one or victim two, but so many people just felt that these women just did not deserve any justice that did not be, they did not deserve to be treated like humans. That's so, that's just so disheartening. Like, why, oh, Jesus, to live in a world like this sometimes is just hard. And if they want to say, like, Scientology belief is not going to outside authority, okay. But Scientology has methods to punish people inside. Like, you know, there's all these stories of these horrible punishments they do. And they're not using it on these rapists here. They're not, like, they don't think he needs a punishment. No, like, I, I view the Church of Scientologists as, like, I can allegedly, but I, they give off the power and perception of groomers. They get you in young and they warp and twist your mindset to only think this way, to always protect the church, to always put the church first to the point where um, it doesn't help. It literally uh, helps you the least and helps everybody else the most. And then when you are, when crimes are committed against you, it's just like, you got to take this if you want to be a loyal follower. Yeah. It, I I get like, there's some things in Scientology that people can maybe benefit off of, but the harm that they are doing, it, it totally outweighs the good. Yeah. I think that's why they had to like, they had to have master manipulators at the top who could influence people who didn't have much or didn't have, who were very lost in their lives or past to um, persuade them to join this. And they just built it up and built it up and just did all this because they, 
I don't know why they fucking did this. I don't know why they created this church, but obviously it was not for the little people. It, it, it I feel like it was a cash grab and um, a, we want to control the world, a pinky and brain situation. I just, <laughs> it is astounding to me. And I don't want to, and I don't want to come off too harsh about the victims because I understand that these are people who were born into this, who were, who, who joined into this faith as, as young people. So I can't sit there and say, well, I would have done X, Y, and Z because even if that would have been true, I didn't live the life that they did. So it's, it's kind of also, it's also hard for me to, um, I, I feel, I feel a lot of empathy and sympathy, but what I'm saying is that, what do I want to say? <laughs> is that it's, it's, I I don't want to go off too much because I don't I'm not never trying to victim blame but the it's just I just could never I just could never picture me in this type of life but like I, I said more, I didn't grow up like this I get more kind of the people who knew about what was going on and tried to cover it up like those people they grew up in Scientology or they're in Scientology too but it's like you have to know it's wrong you have to. Like no matter yeah. what the fucking church is telling you, you have to know trying to defend a rapist is wrong. Like if there <laughs> these women are coming to you that fucking hours after they've been raped to report it, and it's still not enough. Like, what do you want? Like, if you don't believe the first woman, what about that's five women? Five <laughs> women who came, or at least three in Scientology, but that's ludicrous. Yeah, I don't feel as bad for those people just because they they know the difference between right and wrong to the point where they have been told that no matter what has happened to these people, that um, the script should be flipped and that they are the ones in the wrong. They had to be given those orders. They had to be taught that. So they know what is happening to these people are wrong, but the organization, the religion, the president said this, so I have to do this. I don't feel sorry for those people because those people are willingly doing their job, which is protecting a rapist. If And the thing is, is that you could say it's the religion. You could fall on that sword, but if and when somebody were to sue them or take them to court, that's not much of a defense. Yeah, I... I don't know enough about Scientology, but I wonder if it was like designed to be this fucked up or if the people who took over are just making it fucked up. Like, where did the issue start with Scientology? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe it was bad from the start or good for the start, good at the start. But once David became uh, the leader, it went downhill for sure. Yeah. I mean, it could have been bad to start with, but it seems like it has gotten worse. That's what I'm saying. They could have had great intentions, good intentions, or bad intentions at the start, but now they have fucking hellish demon intentions now. They don't even care at this point. They're just they just they just spend money to shut motherfuckers up now. Yeah. It's not even about proving what Scientology is all about and and spreading the word and being good people. It's just about, hey, if you're in the church, you don't talk about it. And if you're not in the church, don't fucking talk about it. So the first time that Danny Masterson goes to court, he is represented by Marty Singer. 
I know at a time Marty represented Bill Cosby, and I know he has popped up in another one of our episodes. I don't recall which one, though. But he is one of those hotshot beta defense attorneys. Obviously big with the sexual assaulters, the rapists. Yeah, and that first trial, it was a hung jury. So the second time this goes to court, one of the attorneys he hires is one of my favorite defense attorneys. Oh, Lord. Sean Hawley. She famously defended Lindsay Lohan and Tory Lanez. Don't you hate when somebody's on the wrong side of history? <laughs> I do want to say in Sean's defense, she advised against Tory's legal defense of blaming Kelsey for the shooting. And I get she defends the bad guys and we mostly fall on the opposite side of her with us being, you know, the good guys, us in our white hats. but at the end of the day she's just doing her job and part of that job is trying to kick fan of the pod leah remini out of the courtroom i don't know if leah was at the first trial but she did show up at the second and sat in the front row hell yeah (laughs) oftentimes posting updates Mm -hmm. sean holly tried to get leah kicked out of the courtroom on the grounds of The prosecution might be calling her as a witness, which she wasn't, and Leah was allowed to stay. I think Sean was just trying to get Leah out because she's a celebrity. She's a celebrity who is famously against the religion, well, an ex-member and against the religion her her current client is still a part of. Yeah, and but yeah, you know, Shali, you shot what's her name? I put her name. Sean Holly. Together. You put it together, Shali. <laughs> yeah, Shali, you didn't win that one. <laughs> we have to start calling her Shali. And Leah Remini was seen, you know, in the front row. It said, I think, hugging one of the Jane Doe. So, I mean, I could see why Sean would not want her in there because the jury might look at them and be like, oh. I'm hugging the victim. Yeah. Like, I'm passing out sweets. I'm, I'm mean mugging nasty ass Danny. Uh, I'm, I'm chewing gum loud as fuck. Well, you, you can't chew gum. I know, I know. The but <laughs> it's like a sport team. You have the air horn going and everything. I'm smirking, <laughs> bitch. I'm I'm squeaking my shoes accidentally so you can look back at me. <laughs> so Danny does get convicted on June 1st, 2023. Thank you. He has found guilty of two counts of rape. The third charge with long-term girlfriend. The jury could not reach a verdict. He has yet to be sentenced, but he does face 15 to life for each charge. So, 30 years at the least. For each charge? For each charge. I'm telling you, if I don't see nothing less than fucking 20, I'm going to have a fucking problem. No, it should. there should be nothing less than 30. <laughs> like, I know, but what I'm saying is that they sometimes find reasons to uh-huh. reduce, reduce, and this and that, time served. So, what I'm saying is that... At for minimum, I know that's why I said per charge, but yeah. I feel like they could just take some, you know, but minimum, yeah, 30, that'd be fucking great. It's and, what he yeah, deserves. I'm happy, but at the same time, he's such a piece of shit that he deserves more. Like, you are that disgusting of a human being. I don't even know what punishment is fitting, but he but should not give him life. But yeah, I, I definitely think he should too. He's fucking terrible. He was allowed to like literally just pick his victims as he chose with no consequences. And these Nothing. are the ones we know about. What about the women that are still in Scientology that are not speaking up? In Scientology, were uh, either persuaded to to be quiet 
or were paid off. The regular women who either were paid off or weren't believed or just decided that this was somebody who would obviously uh, be believed over them. So they didn't even pursue a report or charges like there there's when somebody goes to court for stuff like this, I always say that their victims have to be doubled. Yeah. Because it makes no sense that you were just doing this with this many people. Nah, not for years, not with the, the, the span of time that you were allowed to do this. I don't believe you were doing this once a, a, a couple times every year. Nah, you're the type of person who was allowed to get away with it. You were probably a serial rapist. I believe it, especially if, when he has a Bill Cosby routine down of giving them a drink and raping them. And, you yeah. know, it's a pattern like these stories are similar of drugging them, throwing them in a jacuzzi, taking to a restroom and then the bedroom like that. That's a full out plan right there. He he has planned it out. He has executed that plan and he's perfected he, it. Yeah, he knows what works. He's tried. He's this method is tried and true. And it happens exactly the way I want it when it happens like this. Oh. Um, Danny will be sentenced in August, and we were given an update on that. His family was in the court when he was sentenced, one of them being Billy Baldwin, who I did not know was his brother-in-law. He married China Phillips, sister Bijou Phillips. I know for sure Billy was there in the courtroom supporting Danny, as well as Bijou, but so are other family members. As Baldwin, for, I mean, none of the Baldwin brothers are really uh, all there, but literally Billy is one of the worst. <laughs> Next to as, Alec. <laughs> as the verdict was read out, Bijou did gasp and start sobbing and was told by the judge to excuse herself or compose herself. Yeah, get the fuck. Ain't nobody feel sorry for you, boo- Bijou Bougie. And, and I didn't always, even like you. I think that was also a tactic. You, ch- I'm sorry, you continue and I, I tell you my conspiracy. Okay. I always think what kind of bum stays with men during these allegations? Telling you. And I get love is blind and you might not be thinking clearly and you're saying, oh, he would never, I know this. But she has a history of not believing victims. Mm-hmm. What kind of bum doesn't even believe her sister? When her mm-hmm. sister Mackenzie Phillips came out and said she was in an ancestral relationship with her father, yeah, Shu was one of the people to say she didn't believe it. She said her sister told her about it when Bijou was 13, and at first she did believe it for six years, but then she does make up with her father before he died and had this to say when the allegations became public. I'm 29 now. I've talked to everyone who was around during that time. I've asked the hard questions. I do not believe my sister. Our father is many things. This is not one of them. Yeah. Knowing the reports, like some of the testimonies after Mackenzie Phillips said what she said, I don't think you talked to everybody and everybody who you talked to didn't answer them tough questions the right way. Yeah. Because it, it, it was clear, at least to me, what when you look at the history and when you read how Mackenzie is expressing herself and how she describes the relationship that happened with her father, that this at the, at the, I I just don't, I just don't get it. It it sounds like, huh? 
when Mackenzie first came out, like with her book and was talking about it and doing like the press corps and everything, she wasn't even saying that her father was raping her. She said it was a consensual incest relationship, which it's not, you know, it can't be. Yeah. So it's like, there's, why would you not believe her? Because she's not saying at when she first came out with these audacious that he was raping her. She was saying that they both took part in it. Like she wasn't blaming him for it. I, yeah, I just, I just don't understand that. Uh, Bijou got some, got some of her own issues. Maybe she just doesn't want to go through them, and maybe she's stuck in uh, denial. I don't know what it is, but I don't really feel sorry for her. I feel like it's very telling and weird that the man you married and had a child with wasn't even checking for you, didn't even like you, didn't even want you. But you were head over heels in love for that type of behavior. Red flag already. You got some issues. All right. Bishu has some scandals that we might be able to do a little mini episode over her. I'm, I, I, that would be great. <laughs> and then this is the same man who was so uninterested in you. He also hyper focuses on his victims. I feel like. He picked her because this is somebody who she's like a puppy. Any and any and all affection I will give her, she will accept, she will like, she will love because she knows I'm not even that expressive towards her. I could take or leave this woman. So she does not believe these things with these victims coming out and saying that I do this and that because that's not how I act around her. That's not how I behave around her. I don't show her that same sort of behavior i don't show her that side of me i give her the bare minimum and she's okay with that and i think bijou also probably knows that there's another side to her husband but because she hasn't seen it she doesn't have to acknowledge it look at you 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 got into her mind you dissected her relationship and you dragged her to filth he's not even looking at her all these victims are saying that he stares at them intently and he's not paying her attention. Yeah, there's there's something there. There's something there with that theory. Yeah, it's weird if I explain that right. Because sometimes you yeah. know, I, my mind and my mouth are moving at the same speed. So one has to catch up with the other. <laughs> I, 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 I think I'm reading what you're putting down. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, it's so weird. I, I, I don't trust women like that either. I don't trust partners like that either. I really don't. I get it. Like you said, you love that person. You've been with that person. But when some some people can do such heinous things to other people, I think you should just check out that there's not any relationship worth staying there, knowing that they could do that to you or somebody else. No. So some people who have spoken about Danny is Topher Grace, who starred as Eric on that 70s show. He says, you know, I hesitate to say that I never saw any of that behavior because I feel like it sounds like I'm defending him. But the truth is, I never saw any of that stuff. I was on that cast the most boring. So when it came to going out after the show and partying, I was just boring. Which I can be okay with that response. He's just saying he doesn't know anything. I think that's the smart response. It's it's not even, yeah, I don't think that's bad. I think he's literally trying to paint himself as neutral. Like, this could be a bad person or this could be just somebody who I just never saw them. Uh, basically either this person could have done all this or not, but I am not in the position 
to convict them or to defend them. Yeah, I don't know nothing about nobody. Exactly. I went home after they said cut. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that's what Topher said. <laughs> Topher said, I wasn't in them clubs and in them back rooms like the rest of that cast. Which, hey, the cast is a little creepy freaky. Just ask Wilmer. A little Ooh, bit don't, of, don't say uh, too much. Don't say too much. I'm just saying. My media. Okay, okay. Dash <laughs> Ashton, I'm just saying. So... According to an interview with Esquire, Ashley Kutcher says that Danny was like a mentor to him when they first met on that Sunday show, and that he's still in contact with Danny and his brother Christopher. He says he feels bad for Danny's kid, saying, someday his kid is going to read about this. I wholesale feel for anybody who feels they were violated in any way. Ashton would go on to say he wanted Danny to be found innocent of the charges brought against him, and says, ultimately... I can't know. I'm not the judge. I'm not the jury. I'm not the DA. I'm not the victim. And I'm not accused. And so in that case, I don't have space to comment. I just don't know. Which, to me, reads more like he's defending Danny. He's definitely defending Danny. That's sick. And yeah, he's he's still in contact. I'm still in contact with Danny. In fact, out of everything that I read and heard about this rapist, and all the Jane Doe's, I feel sorry for Danny's children because one day his children got to read that their father is a nasty ass, disgusting, plotting rapist. And you don't feel like you barely said anything about the goddamn victims. You barely said anything about how, you know, not you didn't you didn't even say like you hope the truth comes out. You said you hope he's proved innocent. What yeah. the fuck is that? And I feel like what he's saying there, I'm not the judge, I'm not the accused, I'm not the victim. It's just like to hedge his bets. Like, I'm not going either which way. So it, it was disappointing to me to hear that from Ashton Kutcher. I felt like he would be a little better. But it does seem like him, Wilmer, and Hyde were the closest that stayed friends together. And they were also the most problematic on that cast, both in the 2000s and now. So... They don't say nothing to me, but birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking. And, but that's our episode. It's been a ride. It had a lot of appearances from previous subjects that we've covered. But now it's time to move on to our media, unless you have anything else to add. So many in this, so many people in this story were fucking disgusting in their ways in the way that they chose to response, respond to these women in their stories. It's so disappointing, um, but not surprising with the society we live in. It's just upsetting. I want to express myself more, but I feel like it would just become incoherent. It, it, but it's just so upsetting, so disappointing. I especially get kind of cr- triggered when it comes to sexual assault and rape, rape because I just... <sighs> There's so many people who don't get their justice, who walk into that police station. And then there's like millions more who don't even get the chance because they're just so beaten down and broken by their by their um, abusers in the system already. It's just so disheartening. I'm glad that some of these women got justice and I'm glad that he's been convicted, but it, it does not... It does not make me feel any less sad because all I keep thinking about is how many other people in that church, how many other people just around that person 
are still doing this, are being allowed to do this, or who have gotten away with it. And it's upsetting. But like and I said, I don't even think we know like everything yet. I feel like once this is more explored and maybe like a multiple part documentary comes out or something, we're going to uncover a lot more. Yeah, I hope. I hope. I hope one day they just finally, because I know we've been taking hits at it for a long time, but I just want the Church of Scientology to honestly just be fucking cracked open down the fucking middle and it just exposed as a whole. I, I want that too. whole thing to be tumbling down. That whole when institution. You, me, you, and Leah Remini. Let's go up in there, motherfuckers. <laughs> Get turned away immediately. <laughs> <laughs> we like to end every episode with some form of media to hopefully leave off on a positive note. We don't always accomplish that, but I do think it serves as a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I go first? Absolutely not. Go ahead. Okay. Mine is a song by Demi Lovato. I don't really know much about Demi for the most part. I have mutual vibes about her not feeling really negative or positive feelings, but she does stuff sometimes or says something dumb and I'm like, ill. But I do happen to stumble onto some of her songs and I do like two or three. Okay. Same. One of them being the song 29, where she sings about finally being 29 and realizing when she was 17 and dated a 29-year-old man and how weird that was. And that man is believed to be Wilmer Valderrama, who Mm -hmm. played on that 70s show. They met when she was 17 and he was 29, but would not confirm to be dating until she was 18. And Wilmer also kind of has a history of going for younger ladies. Mandy Moore of Grey's Anatomy shooting episode fame dated Wilmer when she was 16 or 17. You gotta stop referring to her like that. (laughs) You gotta stop. That's why I know her. That is hilarious. Okay, I'm sorry. One more time. Mandy Moore of what? Of the Grey's Anatomy shooting episode. Okay. Okay. She dated Wilmer when she was 16 or 17, and he was four years older than her. Not a huge age gap. For, but at that age range, it's disgusting. Why is a 20-year-old dating a 16-year-old? Exactly. And he would also go on to the Howard Stern show and say he took her virginity and said this. The sex with Mandy was good, but it wasn't like warm apple pie. Which is disgusting. Is that, like, that supposed to be an American pie joke? I guess so. Mandy Mm -hmm. would deny he took her virginity and says they were still friends, so she was shocked by his comments. Also, he dated fan of the pod, Lindsay Lohan, when she was 17 and he was 24. So, kind of really disgusting on Wilmer's part, and he's never really gotten backlash on it. Mm -hmm. But I do think the song 29 brought some more attention to that, and I actually really like the song. It has some very heavy lyrics, but it's a fun song to sing along with have you heard it i actually have not that's uh, i haven't heard i heard about that song but i never listened to it it kind of reminds me of alanis morissette hands clean just because she also talks in that song about dating an older man and how it's not appropriate mm. yeah you know what i just gotta say remember old girl in high school who was dating she was like 17 you know who i'm talking about and she was dating someone nine years older than her or something like that nine years older <laughs> you know who i'm talking about right i don't bleep it out oh my god yes that shit was crazy that man is a molester 
statute statutory rapist yes well i remember she was very open about she was dating him and like she was you know she always told the teachers about everything she did i remember only one teacher like said like that's weird that's disgusting and i remember she got mad about that and at the time we were like we knew it was like we thought it was like wrong we knew that but more in a funny way you know we were stupid teenagers yeah, I, I still remember us in homeroom, basically, and her talking to this other chick, basically describing how, I don't want to say all that, but basically like describing a could have been sexual moment between them and how she was just so excited and everything. I'm like, this man is in his mid-20s, girl. You are 17 years old. Late 20s. Yeah, late <laughs> 20s. As, I don't want to call the girl out, but. He got a he he got a chunky girl who was insecure, who loved the church. I mean, and, talk about a despot. And he's a fucking youth pastor now. And he's a youth that pastor. That is disgusting. Now. That yeah. is disgusting. I I remember I had to delete her because I'm like, that's disgusting. And let's talk about this for a moment, just because I just remembered this. I remember know when they got married after high school and she was giving out invitations, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I really want you guys to go there. Me and you talk about me and you. And oh, really? Yeah. Because we're always like, you know, we're a package deal. Yeah. And, but we didn't get an invite. She's like, yeah, you guys should totally crush the wedding. I'm like, you bitch. You yeah, bitch it was like, you want the POCs to come with no <laughs> invitation so they can get put out in the fucking racist the most racist county in the land. I don't even think besides me and you, she, besides anybody who she met at high school, uh, she didn't have no black friends and she didn't even have that many. I don't even really count myself as one of her friends, but she didn't, she didn't have any, um, any minorities as friends really. And she had very conservative views. So some tells me she really wouldn't like our kind nowadays. No, <laughs> I, I. That's why I had to delete her off socials. I remember seeing something, so like, oh, this yeah, is a no girl, she's a bitch. But that's my media twenty nine. Okay, <laughs> we just started shit talking this random girl. No, yeah, no, she, she don't know who she is. We know who she is. Fuck her. Fuck her forever. All right, <laughs> mine is easy. Mine is a a, a song. It's one that I like, but kind of want to shit on just because the lyrics are funny. So I was uh, on YouTube the other day, and for some reason, I just was just listening to songs, you know, and like, um, let's see, can I do my math? Okay, so about like 2008, 2009, R&B songs kind of around that time, and then I started going even earlier. So I came across Slow Down by Bobby Valentino. Have you ever heard this song? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Doesn't seem like your type. You weren't into the R&B scene around this time. Maybe not. How do I know? <laughs> <laughs> this was way before we met. Uh-huh. Uh but it is uh Bobby Valentino, R&B singer. This is like his debut song. And the song is just about seeing a girl down the street. You say, hey, slow down, girl. You looking good. Let me get them digits home slice. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. But um, he's seeing it and it's better. But some of these lyrics, as I was listening to this song, I was like, your voice very carry, very much carried this because some of this don't make no sense or it just sounds stupid. 
Like, um, slow down. I just want to get to know you. But don't you dare turn around because that pretty round thing looks good to me. Have you ever heard anybody refer to an ass as a pretty round thing and just say it looks good to me? That's weird. Whatever. But then he says, slow down. Now turn around. Hey, you just told me not to turn around, bro. Why am I turning around now? To bless you with my beauty? Calm down, okay? And then he calls me a cutie. Great, wonderful. And then um, some other ones. Oh, this is where it gets a little like, oh, calm down. You're getting a little creepy. He talks about how he's not leaving until them seven digits are in his hand. What you mean? You're going to hold me captive until I give you this number? I don't like that, but still a great song. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, still a great song. I'm going to have to listen to it. It's just, it's just a good song. I think it's just funny. As a child, I thought this was the cutest song ever. But uh, as as an older woman, it's still a good song. It's just some of the lyrics just sound a little awkward in 2023 saying them. Yeah, uh, it, it just sounds a little stupid, but that's like all 2000s music. It has like a cringe lyric. The second media I want to mention, I feel like I might have mentioned it already, but I'm going to re-mention it because it uh, co-stars your girl, Bijou Phillips. Have I talked about the Anne Hathaway movie Havoc? Oh my God. I don't think so, but I used to love that movie. <laughs> that, I, I loved it for all the wrong reasons. Well, Anne with her titties out. And had her, I think this was her first movie. She took the titties out too. She didn't I, stop. It wasn't I feel her like last. I remember that because it was kind of like shocking to us when we were watching it. Like, it was. I, I, I don't know what we thought that movie was. Wasn't that? But, but just going into there, um, do you want to give a little description of the movie? I keep cutting you off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then you can go. No, on. it's my turn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. So <laughs> Havoc is about these white kids very much influenced by hip hop and hip hop culture and gang culture. Um, just being who they not pretend, pretending to be something that they're not. And then uh, Anne Hathaway and her homegirl like get lost and then end up getting acquainted with some some real Mexican gangsters. And it just goes downhill for everybody after that. Do you remember that scene where her boyfriend or something like tries to stop her and like the Mexican gangster, he he puts a gun to his head and the dude like pisses on himself? Yeah, it was all bad. And then that fucking, is Bijou the friend who get in that one scene? Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Ain't that something? But yeah, y'all, if you've never seen the Anne Hathaway Bijou Phillips masterpiece, Havoc, you have to watch it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a list of things. Um, Anne Hathaway is in it like you've never be, you've never seen before. Second, she says nigga. She sings How Do You Want It? And she says nigga. I was trying to think what song they say. It's crazy. I can't. Stop laughing every time I watch it. Cause why? <laughs> I wish I could. The thing is, it has to be on YouTube. In fact, just I have to see if it's on YouTube. Cause if y'all don't watch 
the movie. You just have to watch the scene that she sings. How do you want it? Like, when did that movie come out? I haven't seen it since early two thousands, right? I want to say like two thousand five, seven. Havoc movie. Let's put nigga. I know she is. <laughs> two thousand five. I was right. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm a genius. Uh, they got the fight scene. They, let me get seen. But the point is that y'all have to watch this trailer. Y'all have to watch this movie. It's crazy. Um, also, it's like just if the thing is, is that it's not any different to how a lot of these kids in the suburbs act to this day. So it's just like a it's kind of like a satire co- commentary, but not really. You know, I was so young when I watched this that I did not realize it was Channing Tatum in there or Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was just looking at the cast and I said, "This, these, I only remember, I only remember Freddie Rod- Rodriguez, Anne Hathaway, and uh, Bijou. I didn't remember anybody else in that. Fucking Josh Peck is in there. I hate him. Josh Peck is in there. Like the dude from Breaking Bad is in there. I didn't even know that. I'm like, what? Is Chad is Channing Tatum the boyfriend who pisses on himself? Then no, 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 no. Oh, okay. He's, he has to be one of the friends because I I know what the dude looks like who who pissed on himself. He's like a little blonde haired, shaggy, skinny dude. Yeah, I, I I just remember certain scenes, but I don't remember how it ends. Or I remember how it ends. I remember how it ends. <laughs> 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 uh, we're not gonna talk about it. I this is what I want. I I want people to leave reviews, preferably five star, of course. And I want you guys to watch Havoc or watch the trailer and just tell me what you think. What what you thinking? Did you watch it's this? 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, of course. Nobody is ever higher than <laughs> 50% that. It's not uh, let me tell you this. I would not say this is a bad movie, but I would not say it's a great movie. <laughs> it's <laughs> a entertaining movie, though. So that's all. I'm done. The tagline is "Some lines aren't meant to be crossed," <laughs> or "Sex, crime, drugs. We are kids in America." And then the last one is "Too much is never enough." Oh my goodness! Is- Man, oh my gosh! That's 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 the good media. <laughs> I do have a media from Trisha. Um, Come on, Trish. It's an old one. I think it's like three weeks old. Yeah, we stopped putting out episodes. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you know, what's funny though. Every time we take a little break, we did a bump and listens. You guys like, like us? You miss us? <laughs> Do you like us? Is oh it like we're just checking in? Like, where are they? Are y'all? At, trust me. We if the pod breaks up, we'll let you know. If we miss a week, it's literally life is raining hellfire down on us, so we just couldn't do it. Or maybe Daddy gained here as prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> but Trisha's media is. Jose and Katrina, sending lots of best friend love to the host of my favorite podcast. Just writing in my media for this week. It's time. It's time song Cottonmouth by Sam Sparrow. Sparrow. The one and only Katrina Rochelle introduced the song to me, and I have not stopped listening since. 
The song has a very good beat and lyrics are very simple. It's a wonderful song to add to any list. Thank you for sharing your creativity and awesomeness to us, your listeners. I am so happy looking forward to more and a special thanks to Katrina for the recommendation. Love you. Bye. Love you too, Karen. Let me tell you, <laughs> next to you, Trisha is the hardest to impress with music. <laughs> so since the, the fact that this song was a win, I'm set for the year. No, you you got your win. <laughs> I got a win, and I wasn't even trying, but I I wanted her to hear the song because I it makes me laugh. So, but I was glad she liked it. I got here for a listen. I, no. She was tweeting about I think I love my wife either yesterday or the day before, and it it was so hilarious. I'm like, I got rewatch this movie again. She was like live tweeting it, like she was watching yeah. it. Oh, uh-huh. I'm gonna go to her account and and look at it now. At first, I was like, what is she talking about? Because she's like, he left for some, you know, she's putting that scene where it's about the, she's making chicken and he's mad. He's like, I got feathers going out my ass. Oh, my God. What about some duck? Uh That's the one she was tweeting about. I saw it first. I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's, I think I love my wife. But yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a good one. I haven't seen it in a while, too. But yeah. No, I'm not to watch Habit. Before I watch anything else, you guess <laughs> now you got a little list, a cue. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember that singing scene in Havoc. That that one stuck with me. I fucking hate that singing scene at the end. Why <laughs> did it, y'all just not wrap up the movie? It was over. It was done. Oh, the I think I love my wife singing scene. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> is that what you weren't talking about? That no, I was talking about the Havoc one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm triggered by that. I think I love my wife when I hate it so much. I loved it. I, I gotta say I loved it. I Especially when she's like, why don't we fuck anymore? Just, uh, you know why. Yeah, I didn't have to sing it. Uh-huh. Nikki True. <laughs> but <laughs> enough rambling from us. That is our episode. Hopefully our little media section left you in a more positive mood because this was a heavy episode. Very much, very much. So I do not blame you if you had to skip some parts or whatever. You got to do what um, what's good for you and your mental health. But yeah, this was a little bit of a heavier one. Exactly. Um, if you want to reach out to us, our email is saveyoursorry at gmail.com. You can send us your recommendations. Tell us about Havoc. Tell us about I Think I Love My Wife, any of our medias. Or give us suggestions on who to do. You know, me and Katrina only know a certain amount of celebrities. Sometimes we have to really reach in there and crank one out. Mm-hmm. Don't give an obvious one. Give us give us uh, one that no one knows about. Give us some B-sides. Or some sport ones. I'm not a sport guy. I love the sport scandals, but I just, I don't know them. Oh, that's a good idea. I think you might just made me think of what I might do. Oh, or it's my idea, so you can't. IP, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, leave us a review. Leave us a rating, please. We've been begging for it. Give it to us. Um, reach out to us on Instagram. Spelled just like the podcast. Save your sorry. Mm-hmm. And our Twitter is save your sorry. This your is spelled you are. I haven't been that active on the Twitter though. Just because. you have been dead on the Twitter. <laughs> it's Elon Musk's fault. It's just it's, it's him. Let's blame him. I, I accept that. Yeah, it used to be so much different. I know everyone says that, but I just, I don't feel like before I used to 
see all these podcast related things and now it's like I just see Elon Musk's tweets, honestly. That's all I see. Ugh, no. Block. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. See ya.